0: In this episode of Rough Talks, we discuss the May meeting with Brian French and Nick Sombrato. May's poster was designed by Nathan Trim, printed by Mama Sauce on butcher white 100-pound cover provided by French paper. June 9th is our 2016 Dallas show. Be sure to secure your seat and see all the amazing work. Tickets are on sale now at dsvc.org. I'm your host, Ramsey Reles, and I am also a motion graphic designer. Here with me today are...
1: Keisha Greer. I'm a graphic designer, uh, also freelance on the side. I've been uh, with Pier 1 for about six years and kind of doing something new recently. And I'm the chair of communications of the DSVC.
2: And I'm Nathan Trim. I am currently a freelance illustrator and graphic designer. Previously, I've worked at a couple agencies as design director and creative director. And uh, for the DSVC, I recently illustrated the poster for Print Matters uh, May meeting.
0: Awesome. So, as you said, our last meeting was uh, Nick Sembrado and Brian French, a French paper, and they talked about why print matters. And one of the things that that I thought was interesting was uh, Nick kind of fell into being a printer and didn't really have a passion at first, but then he he found a love for it. And so uh, I was wondering, how did you guys find the passion for what you do?
1: I didn't really know it was a a career I could get into until high school. Um, I took a motion graphics class in high school and someone from the art Institute showed up and I went home and said, mom, I think I found it. And from there, it, I just fell in love with design and anything about design. Um, I live and breathe design uh, critique, almost everything, <laughs> like
2: every other designer. Mm-hmm.
1: I think the more I learned about it, the more I loved design because it's so invisible when it's done right
2: yeah i'm the same way i kind of had no idea that like graphic design existed until i kind of fell into it in college like i've been a i've done fine art you know since i was eight but i knew i didn't want to be you know a starving artist so i was like and i couldn't i can't so to my life so i was like fashion signs out so Mm -hmm. i just kind of fell into a typography class in college and was like oh my god there's that much to know about like the letter a like (laughs) it's like it just kind of sucks me in and um having that fine art background with graphic design the ability to kind of use so many different influences and and so many different kind of life experiences and um being able to learn a little about so many different things which i really kind of connected with what nick was saying as far as you know what the path that led him to eventually becoming a printer and falling in love with it mm-hmm. um, really kind of resonated because, you know, I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. But <laughs> but I do know that it has it has something to do with, you know, the aesthetics of things and the the meaning of, you know, the, con- the concept behind design and and how it relates to life and mm-hmm. your experiences and how you bring that to everything that you do.
0: Yeah. Well, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a Toys R Us kid. Forever. <laughs> but, no, well... Who didn't? <laughs> you can be a
1: Toys R Us adult.
0: <laughs> right? Right? No, I, I really wanted to make comic books. That's what I really wanted to do, and I think uh, from that, that led to wanting to do animation, and then eventually going to school for animation, and, and I found out that uh, doing, you know, Pixar movies or um, video games, animatics, and It takes a huge team and they do great work but essentially like you're this one small piece in this huge puzzle Um, but when I took a motion graphics class that's where I kind of learned like oh I can pretty much handle a project by myself but um, if I want to be good at this I need to be good at graphic design and that's what kind of led me into studying how to concept how to come up with you know typography and branding and advertising and trying to take what I learned from there to implement into motion graphics. And so that's where I kind of have my passion in like both animation and design. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always interesting to see like how people get into it because I think a lot of us, even from kids, we've always doodled in, in our yeah. books. Mm-hmm. And
1: I used to recreate know. my CD covers by hand mm. and I would take the CDs and put them away and then I would put all this hand-drawn sleeves in with this – in this big, huge CD book, I would put my hand-drawn sleeves in oh, there. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so I would hand-draw the type, and I didn't know that, you know, what I was doing at the time. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's what you do when you uh, do hand-lettering, so. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just talking to my grandmother the other day, actually, and she was like, I just came across all these notebooks from school that she'd kept because she's a bit of a hoarder. And um, she was like, I found all these, like, sketchbooks or these notebooks filled with sketches, you know, from, like, there was, like, a little bit of math and then there was, like, nothing but, like, (laughs) you drawing, like, people's faces and, like, hand lettering stuff and all that kind of thing. So, yeah, I think definitely anyone in the creative community or field always had that kind of – whether they knew it intrinsically or not, Mm. always had that kind of passion to – to create, you know, and whether you knew what kind of name to put on it, it always kind of rose to the surface more than anything else. hmm hmm And I was really impressed with also Brian French, you know, even though he was basically raised in the world of paper, mm-hmm. um, he still had, like, a great, great passion for it, you know, because there's so many people that are, like, forced into the family business and they're, like... I have no other choice, but the fact that he loved it so much, it was a nice, it was an interesting dichotomy between the two of them where he was born into it and then Nick found it, you know, mm-hmm. but they still had the same passion for it. And the fact that they realized that kind of symbiotic
0: relationship between
2: what they both did and how powerful it could be.
0: Right. So jumping off of, a uh, of, brian french we had uh someone on twitter at Haley dolliv she said it was so cool to hear brian french talk about his family's history and she thinks the most interesting part was the sample book um Mm -hmm. so it, it seemed like those things have a reputation of their own and people covet those things the older they are oh yeah so do you have any Um, I was actually,
2: like, racking my brain whenever he showed that first one that uh, Charles Spencer Anderson had done because I was like, I know I've seen that somewhere and I've got to find (laughs) – I was like, maybe I can, like, break in back into my old work and see if it's there or something. Mm -hmm. But um, I definitely have collected every French paper book or swatch book or – especially the ones that Charles has done. And mainly because he uses the papers in such an interesting way, you know, and, and being a designer, that actually is one of the first things that I always do is like, look at the paper and see, and that kind of starts the impetus of like, what can you do with this? You know, because a lot of times Mm -hmm. clients don't want to spend money and they don't want to do this or that. So you have to kind of figure out the best way, but you also still want to create the best product. So if you start with really, really good materials mm-hmm. and um, you can still wind up with, even if you have to cut costs in certain areas, you can still come out with a really amazing piece just because the materials and the foundation and of it is, yeah, is, is so amazing and thought through and has such a, and especially with French, like French is actually my go-to Like that's the first line that I go to whenever I'm designing something. Partly because of what Charles did to it, but also just knowing that the the quality is so good, you know, that mm-hmm. no matter what you put on it, it's <clears> going to look amazing.
0: So since you designed the poster, um, you know, I put you in contact with, uh, you know, Nick and Brian, and you were told whatever paper you want, <laughs> have at it. So how how was that, you know, being told like, hey, whatever... That was the hardest thing I've
2: ever had. to <laughs> That was like the hardest thing I've ever had to do with ever. Because I was like, I literally spent like two days just going through paper swatches and like their sample books and being like, "Oh, I want to use th- Oh, wait, this is new. Like, maybe I could use this. And then, like, there's was, it was almost too much because there's just so many amazing things. And then finally. I even asked them, I was like, was there something you want to promote? Like, just trying to get some kind of, like, boundaries. And and they were like, no, use whatever. (laughs) And uh, I actually ended up using um, one that I uh, have always wanted to use but hadn't gotten a chance to, the just plain Butcher White. And even that, in its simplicity, it is absolutely gorgeous. And what it Mm -hmm. did with the the inks and things was just amazing. And I, I felt kind of lame and... Picking such a basic paper stock. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, I was like, I could pick, like, bright white. It'd be amazing, you know. So, Mm -hmm. but, yeah, it was definitely, I was definitely when he was like, use whatever. I was, had a little bit of a panic moment. And, like, Mm -hmm. am I choosing the right one?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Brian talked about letting paper and print be a part of your design and starting from the paper. And that could actually cut the cost. You can cut out an ink. If you mm-hmm. actually pick the right paper,
2: yeah. saving yeah.
1: costs on that end. So I thought that was really good like to to talk to design students um, and, and make them yeah. think about not just starting with a blank transparent artboard. board, yeah. but mm-hmm. put your paper there and and build on top of that. It's another part of what you're doing. Yeah. It shouldn't be the last thing. It should yeah. be the first thing.
2: With as great as the samples are, I've scanned in parts of paper and used them as is background textures and things like that. And, and um, like he, she was saying a lot of times, you know, clients don't want to spend a lot of money. So you have to figure out how to make an amazing piece with and money. keep the budget really <laughs> low. And so really it does, it starts with the paper and how much, how, you know, how many colors of ink you can use and then figuring out from there, what you can create from that and still convey what the client wants to convey and uh and hopefully even more even more than that and and as someone who's like comes from like i'm a i'm a print guy like the whole interwebs and digital stuff <laughs> is awesome and everything um and actually a lot of i started out doing um painting and have transitioned to digital illustration but even then, I always get my stuff printed um, mm-hmm. because there's something like that tactile quality yes. to it, and um, and I think that you know a lot of people are like, oh, print's dead, and you know it's all digital and everything, and millennials and all that kind of stuff. But <laughs> in reality, I mean, print has had such a history and. It's not going anywhere, you know, and I think it's up to us to always fight for it. And a lot of clients that I've worked with, both international huge clients and even smaller local um, businesses, you know, they always are like, well, let's just set up a Twitter account, you know, or a Facebook page and that'll get us what we need to. And it's like, no, you need to make like there's something about having a printed piece that makes a connection with a consumer. And mm-hmm. it's something that if you create the right thing, it's something that they hold on to, you know? And even if it's a chintzy little to go menu, if you can create something that they're like, you know, whenever they open that drawer at the office, that's the first one that grabs their attention. You know, that not only something that's printed, but also helps kind of reinforce and create that relationship between the consumer and the the company Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what you really, really want to do, you know? And so even with clients that I've worked with where they're like, Oh, we just want to do a website. It's like, well, what if we did kind of a launch kit for it? And we sent out, you know, some postcards, we sent out some other materials and things. Um, You know, there are ways that you can produce really cool stuff and, and it's, Mm -hmm. it's getting, getting something in hand that really kind of creates that, Connection with people,
0: right?
1: Nick had a lot of energy. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
2: it was it was infectious. <laughs> like it, I, it was very contagious.
1: I was sitting in my seat and I wanted to stand up <laughs> and like just talk with him. So, um, mm-hmm. uh, he definitely
2: he definitely had a lot of passion.
1: Yes, a lot. So he talked about meeting opportunity with extraordinary response.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. just
1: throwing yourself into it and putting everything you have into it. That's Mm -hmm. definitely something I relate to. I'm either on or off. There's no Mm in-between. It's black or white. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) If you could see me, you could see that I'm wearing black and white. So, (laughs) Um, Yes, I'm either completely into it or not, and I approach every design um, problem with that. If I'm not into it, then I'm not going to touch it because it's not going to be my best. So Mm -hmm. um, I think um, trying to find what works for you and if you're on a team at a company giving the people who's go- who who will shine on that project that project
2: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and not taking everything in yourself learning to delegate and give the people who are going to knock it out of the park yeah is actually going to make your team better mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. and
1: help them grow and give them confidence same thing for you so just fighting for the things that you want um it's it's worth it
2: definitely mm-hmm. definitely
0: Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, I've worked on on numerous projects and like I find that what I always try to do is always put something for myself in in the project. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there may be a project where it's three minutes long and do what the client says, make sure that they're happy and everything. But then like this five seconds or 10 seconds, I'm going to like, really, that's going to be the money shot. And this is what I like. This is what I'm going to show people. Um, and so always, you know, trying to find that passion within a project, I think, is also like the more projects that you do, you try to to implement where, you know, even though it may be a product that you may not like, you like you try to find the passion within that and like mm-hmm. you know, find what you can relate to. And then really focusing on that and making that shine. And, you know, I think that. Typically, will make the client happy and, you know, make them come back and trust you more mm-hmm. to, like, do more elaborate things and say, oh, I was really thinking that you should probably do this with your brand. Like, we trust you. Awesome. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So
1: you're putting your, your energy in your. That's why they come to you. Yeah. Because you can do things like that. Exactly. And yeah. They mm-hmm. trust you with that. And if you put a little bit of yourself into mm-hmm. it. Yeah. 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 I
0: think it. he said always do your best and be hyper-focused on what makes you great. So yeah, I thought that was uh, really, really cool to hear.
2: I found the times when I'm working on something and have no invested interest in it whatsoever, that's when I do my worst work. Um, Even if it's like meeting the client's expectations, they're just kind of like, oh, okay. Um, And that's the end of it. But if I can find something within that, like you were saying, that like one little piece That gives me the passion to do even more and put even, you know, more of myself into it. And I found that the projects where I kind of, like you said, okay, this is the goal. This is what the client needs, but I'm going to put my touch on it because they've come to me to, to, they put their brand in my hands. Putting that extra touch on it gives me a personal contact with like connection with the brand, which then allows me to um have a connection with the client and allows me to also push them even further and it's kind of funny you were talking Kishi, you were talking about um you know being able to delegate and and find the right people for the right job i had done that for so many years and now that i'm freelancing and where and I, which i've done before but this time i'm i have a little bit more experience in in, in being able to kind of like know what I'm doing a little bit more but um you kind of have to take every project that comes across your t- your table and um and a lot of times it's like oh I'm just going to do this for the money but then I sit back and think wait that's not why I'm doing this you know I'm doing this cuz I want to give the client my experience and my point of view mm-hmm. and um I found whenever I've kind of taken that step back and been like, "No, I'm not doing this for the money. I'm doing this for the passion and, and to be and to bring that passion to not only the project but the client. Um, that's when I feel the most satisfied and gratified, and also the client feels the most satisfied with the work and mm. wants to come back.
0: Yeah,
1: so I'm, cu- I'm curious on the poster, besides your style, what was the extra touch you put on the
2: poster? Um, So I I have kind of, a, like, my personal style is very unique in a way. Like, I have definitely a, a style that I've kind of developed. Having worked for so long and having had a kind of fine art background, I can do other styles, but that's, like, my personal style. And so whenever I was working on this poster, it really resonated with me because I love print so much. Like, Nick was saying, like, Mm-hmm. if you're not one of those people that goes into a, a printer and, like, loves the smell of ink, like, get <laughs> out. And I was like, oh, my God. Every time I go into a printer, I'm like, oh, this is amazing. And I'm like, the paper is like, like, look at this. And um, so whenever I... I was like, well, I don't want to just knock something out and, of course, you know, just kind of do whatever I want. I want it to have something that, that resonates. But whenever within my work, I always like to have hidden meetings so that the, the viewer can kind of have their own interpretation. But for this piece, I wanted to have, like, I love the idea of that combination. And so the two headed beast that I created, the left side, the left head was paper and kind of represented French with his little paper mustache and, um, (laughs) tree growing out of his head. And then, uh, The right side was print with the ink and the bones representing kind of the levers on. I wanted to make sure that it didn't feel um, mechanical, that it felt hand done, because that's what Nick's all about. Mm -hmm. Um, And then those two heads coming together in the belly kind of represented the client or the designer who utilizes both, you know, those two elements to kind of create this happiness, you know, within them. So that was kind of the inspiration behind it. Awesome. Um, it wasn't just a two-headed crazy creature. Even it was. <laughs> but uh, that's one of the things that um, even in design and, you know, in concepting and also with fine art background, I always like to add something deeper to it so that when you look at it, it's it's hopefully aesthetically pleasing, but at the same time, there's always a deeper meaning, and it's something you can dis- and something that's discoverable, and that's what I really loved about hearing Brian and Nick talk. Is that there was something, even in you know just Brian talking about the the basics of his company, there were so many things like interesting and discoverable things. Like every time I start something, I always want to create a story around it. It was really really cool to s- see from someone who's kind of like especially with, like, French, like, kind of idolized just the company in general. But then to see that there's actually, like, people and their warehouse and then Nick, like, working out of his, like, printing out of his kitchen. You know, It's like, <laughs> okay, this is, like, this is, and especially now that I'm, like, a freelancer working out of my, basically, my kitchen. You can do, like, anybody can do this, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. As long as you keep that passion and, and kind of keep that focus of, always putting something of yourself into it
1: start from something that's not really that amazing and keep putting a hundred percent into it and it just becomes this amazing mama sauce Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly yeah Uh Yeah.
1: i thought it was interesting to see the process of of, he showed us how the paper was dyed and all of that just see how messy it it was so gross to see how messy everything was, and it comes out to be this beautiful, unified piece of paper. Mm-hmm. I thought that was just beautiful. To
0: yeah, see. that was so amazing. One one of the things that Nick talked about was uh, the legacies and being, um, you know, how print really has gotten as best as it can. But you're starting to see a rise of these people that are using more odor techniques, using these giant, you know, press machines and screen printing techniques and how they're kind of keeping it alive in this day and age. And, you know, you go to places like uh, Studio 204 and Inky Lips and uh, Loco or around uh, DFW and, uh, you know, they're using old machines Mm -hmm. and they still they still work they Mm -hmm. still do great amazing work on it and so it's like protecting that legacy um but nick also had a message for some of the the younger uh or people in newer industries like the web and animation is like saying that even though those don't really have a legacy right now that the people that that are doing it are building the legacy. Mm -hmm. So it's like trying to make sure that they feel like, you know, it's okay if you're doing your own thing, like, but you're setting the ground, you know, the foundation for the people that are going to do it 50 years from now. Um, So I thought that was really, really cool to hear.
2: Definitely. And I think that's why it's always so important to always push, whether it's, and most of the times it's really, really hard Um, but it's so worth it to, to go that extra mile and put that extra effort into it because whether you realize it at the time or not, the impact of that can resonate for who knows how long, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, and you were talking about like digital and animation and things like that. And even whenever I'm working on that coming from a print background, um, I always try to bring some aspect of print into the digital. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in that aspect, I'm trying to kind of carry on that legacy of print. Um, And I think it's really amazing that a lot of um, digital designers and things like that are now kind of trending back towards things that feel more handcrafted and more organic and not as, Um, clinical as you know whenever it kind of first started evolving Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's one of the great things about just this industry in general is that we have such a great history to draw from but at the same time we're kind of creating a new history for for the people to come after us Mm -hmm. and I mean not to be narcissistic about it or, anything, <laughs> or come off that way at all. But, um, but it's like every time I work on an illustration or I work on branding or anything, I want to make sure that there's something to, you know, even if it's a flyer that someone's going to throw away, you know, there's something that resonates. And even if it's something just for me that like, mm-hmm. I learned a new technique or I learned something different about, um, how to approach a project or, and, and, an illustration or um or even working with um a printer and i always automatically whenever i have to print something i automatically go to somebody to printers that um they may have digital capabilities but if they have like an old press sitting in the back room mm-hmm. I'm like can we use that you know <laughs> it might be a little more expensive but it's like we have to keep that go- like let that's a 300 year old letterpress machine let's get it up and running and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. utilize that cuz i don't know there's just something so amazing about print and- mm.
0: that that makes me think about i remember talking to um this one designer and he started doing um getting into letterpressing and you know, the differences between that and doing web and you know, there's or at the beginning, there's only so many like web safe fonts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there's what like 13 or fonts or something like that. Right. Um And so when he was talking about web designers, it's like, you know, like these people, they're complaining about they only have so many fonts. Like talk to someone that does a letterpress and they maybe have. Two fonts, uh-huh. if they're lucky. Right. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, try try doing something with that. Like, that's all you have is two full font, sets of fonts, and maybe you have a partial font. <laughs> and what do you do?
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, probably the hardest thing about designing the poster was when they were like, you have two colors. And for anyone that's familiar with my work, I use a lot of color. Just kind of having that restriction. Mm-hmm in and of itself helped kind of not only guide what I ended up doing, but also I was like, okay, I've got two colors. How can I like maximize it as much as I possibly can? So I was like, you know, can I use screens? Can I do this? Can I do that? You know, what, what, how can I push the boundaries of the restrictions that you've given me? Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think that's another great thing about, just this industry is that collaborative aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whenever you have a really great relationship with um, a paper company or a paper rep or, and a, especially a printer, they're so much more willing to offer up, you know, like, Oh, well, why don't you try this? Or, Hey, I've been thinking about trying to do something like this. You know, what do you think? or, or, um, you know, you establish that a relationship where you kind of are able to push things in new directions that you mm-hmm. never even thought of, you know, and taking that, you know, those two fonts or those two colors that you have to use and seeing what kind of amazing things can, can come from that. Mm-hmm. That's, and, the,
1: that's the joy of design, having
2: mm-hmm,
0: restrictions. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The
1: least amount of materials and colors and whatever.
2: Like,
0: how am I going to MacGyver this together? Yes. Yes, <laughs> yes exactly. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. In yeah. fact, back way back in the day when I was in my final portfolio class, all of the professors were like, you can use one font and two colors, and it's all you can do. And I, at first I was like, huh? <laughs> but then at the end of it, ended up creating – like, it drove me in a completely different direction. And at the end of it, the whole part of it was, you know, you have to design something that looks like you didn't do it. And I was like, huh? (laughs) (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't don't understand that because I'm a designer. Like, that's what I do. You know, like, of course it's going to look – like, that's a good thing, that it looks like something that you've done. Mm -hmm. And so um, at the end of it, I met the – physical requirements of it and that but i was like so did i like achieve it it's like no it it still looks like you did it but at least at least least you followed the rules and i was like well part of it is knowing the rules and that so that you can break them you know Mm -hmm. i think Mm -hmm. that's the most important thing that you can possibly do is is figuring out
0: you you push you you get the boundaries mm -hmm. and then you push those boundaries as much as you can to the point where they're was breaking. Yes. But not really. Yes.
1: <laughs> or you break them in such a way that it's greatness and they just look past the fact
0: that you <laughs> broke on the rules.
2: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I think that's what helps with dealing when dealing with clients as well. You know, being able to be like, okay, this is the standard, but you want to stand out. You know, what can you do that makes you different, but still keeps you within you know, the zone of, of, of who you're trying to reach. And it's like, yeah, I never take on a project where it's like, you know, just do a flyer, or a e-blast or whatever. It's like, okay, how can we, what can we add to this? What can we do to push it? And even if it's the smallest thing, um, it can have the biggest impact. Um, and that's what really excites me about Design and also print. You know, it's like Nick was saying, he's like and I think and Brian too, when they were showing all the samples of like the letterpress and things like that. And most of the designs were extremely simple, but it was like just that extra little like debossing or foil stamping or just that extra little kiss just like took it to a whole mm-hmm. other level. And it was like, I don't know, I it absolutely gave me goosebumps.
0: Mm-hmm. At Alina Nina Lynn tweeted, there's something about textile printing and the quality, weight, and texture that makes it super special.
1: Yes. He was talking about that poster that was given away and how it it was just magnetic. Like if you put it in the hall with all the other movie posters, that's the one you would gravitate gravitate to. Yes. Because Mm -hmm. it was actually printed on, you know, really great paper and with an old machine and you just want to go and touch it.
0: Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. One of the stories that, that Nick told was uh there's actually a fellow board member, uh, Dwayne, who he had his business cards printed by them and Nick said that and he like raised the business card up and he was like, This is like the first piece where I was like, This is what we need to be doing. Like this is what this is what we should do. Um so I'm wondering, um, for you you guys What project did you get that light bulb where you're like, this is... Because, you know, we all start off as, you know, juniors and interns. And then eventually we get to a point where you do that project that you've been dying to do. And you have... That's when the light bulb goes off. Yeah, and you're like, this is it.
2: Wow, that's a good question. (laughs) It's a hard question.
0: (laughs) I think
1: I'm still... Trying to get there.
2: I was going to say, I think I'm still waiting for it. Because it's like, because every project, whether I know it or not, I learn something from it. Yes. And so I try to apply that to the next project. Mm. And so I don't think I've had kind of an aha moment yet. But it's, I've had several aha moments within projects where it's like, oh my God, I can do that. Like really? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then when another project comes along, it's like, I don't know how I'm going to solve this or I don't know what I'm going to create for this. You know, like for the poster, it's like there's so many different things that I could have gone ways that I could have gone. And, and then it's like, Oh wait, there's this, the spark, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think for me, I kind of approach every project like that. It like, it's almost like I've never done this before where, I wait, you know, I kind of approach it from kind of a clean slate of what can happen and what can be done. And and mm-hmm. there's always this kind of aha breakthrough moment where you're like, oh, that's it. that It's clicking. And but then at the end of the project, it's like, OK, what's next? Like what's going to spark the next that next aha moment, you know, of. Ever fleeting. Yes. Yes. There's always
1: a fear of it not coming. And then when it actually gets here, you just feel that relief of like, okay, I can do this. <laughs> yes. And you just get the joy. It just the joy sits on your heart yes. for like two days. Yes. And then it just wears off and then you get the fear again.
2: <laughs>
0: yes. Ah. Uh,
2: and I think that's why. I mean, I know several you know designers and illustrators who have those kind of peak moments where it kind of they just kind of grasp that like this is the epitome of what I what I can do, and I think for me personally, I always, I never want to be satisfied with what I do or or, mm-hmm. or think of that.
0: Well, and I think that what Nick was saying was like that business card wasn't the. The best that he could do, it was the start mm-hmm. of of what he's capable of. So, you know, I look at projects that I've done where I'm like, I'm first put on as creative lead and, you know, delegating things to a team. And that's like, like, that's like a, a level, like I just leveled up in mm. in Final <laughs> Fantasy or something, right? It's <laughs> like, oh, man, I've got these new power sets and I can, like, this is awesome. Um but then you know, like you're now playing in on, on a different league, um, and I think that as creative people, we always have like we're constantly leveling up. You know, mm-hmm. we're constantly getting that new experience, mm-hmm. and um, it's just getting to that higher higher level and not going back.
1: Uh, my last job, I <laughs> the very first I was a packaging designer. The very first mock-up I ever did, I sat on my shelf. And I kept it there for six years. And I look back on it my very last day, and it was so horrible.
2: (laughs) Right. It was
1: really, really bad. But I saw the progress and going Mm -hmm. from point A to point
0: B. At the time, it was just like, oh, man, this is...
1: I thought it was amazing. Uh No.
0: (laughs) 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 Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I think everyone does that. Like I look at all of the work that I've done, and... I think sometimes you'll get, like, a an ego, and you're like, yeah, I'm I'm pretty good. And then you look back, you're like, well, I don't know. And you start having self-doubt. But then looking at other um, – um, having other people look at it, and they're like, oh, no, this is really good. Like, mm, it could have been better. Could have been better. <laughs> I could have done this, this, and this, and this. But then the next time you have a project, you do those things that you didn't do in the last one. Mm-hmm. Um, so –
1: and we may even think that about today. We may really? look back ten years from <laughs> mm-hmm. now, and like, "What was I thinking?" But mm-hmm. you can't get to that. What place is up with without... this podcast? Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't get to that place without going through that process. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. I mean, exactly. You have to learn those things, just yeah. like everybody else. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, kind of looking back on it, probably the one project actually that kind of was like, you know, you can do this. That you can you can push the boundaries. You can. Think of things in a different light it was actually way back when I was in school and we had a um, a poster where we had to do just typography or whatever. And um, we could use an image or not or whatever. And so I went out and took a photograph in the parking lot of my apartment of some raw meat that I had bought at like Kroger's or something. <laughs> and so like that was basically my poster With, I can't even remember what the typography was about now, but um, the reaction that I got from that, there was such a shock of like, what are you doing? And, (laughs) but I was able to kind of like explain the reasoning behind it. And, and they were like, okay, I can kind of, I can see that. And I think that might, that might have been a little taste of my aha where I was
0: like, Okay. I can talk people into anything. I can, anything. <laughs> I can exactly. do some crazy shit and convince.
2: As long <laughs> the, as you have a story? The unsuspecting masses that this is <laughs> that this is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but really it's I I kind of like I said I I kind of approach every project kind of from the base of like okay, this is going to be the moment or what can I add? What can I do to this that that kind of creates that Mm-hmm. you know aspect to it which causes a lot of in unnecessarily internal <laughs> drama but i think uh, that's i think the best designers and creatives all struggle with that you know like mm-hmm. you always look back and are not satisfied you know and a lot of the times the only reason you stop is because the client has a deadline and they need <laughs> that they need to meet you know right and so uh but i think it's always important one of my kind of life's mottos is that you know it's okay to make mistakes but as long as you learn from them and as long as you grow from them and it makes you a better person Mm -hmm. and better at what you do um then it's a success you know my grandmother I remember when I was really young painting at the kitchen table with her and you know spilling something or not or you know making a quote-unquote mistake and it still resonates with me. She was like, No, there are no mistakes. She was like, Let's, what, there's only possibilities. You know, what can we do? What can we do with this to make it even better? You know, and, mm-hmm. and, um, a lot of times I, I kind of force myself into either using a really horrible font or using, a really weird color palette and I'm like, okay, how can I make this cool? You know, how can I like mm-hmm. actually not comic sans, but <laughs> <laughs> cause there's just no, there's no hope with that. But, um, you know, what can I, what can I do to make this cool and make this resonate, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, and even when I'm working on stuff, a lot of times the best outcomes are, Like, I'll be working on an illustration and I'll accidentally, like, turn a layer off or I'll accidentally, like, shift the whole, you know, something over. And then I'm like, oh, my God, wait, that's actually, much like, wow, okay, that's done. Oh, there we go. (laughs) 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 And I I think that uh, those moments are – I think if you can always capture something within a project Mm -hmm. as that, like, this is – the moment where that spark hit, then that's what keeps you going to the next project and the next, the next. Mm-hmm.
1: I get a lot of those moments when doing logos where I'll sketch and I'll throw my notebook on the table or the couch and I come back and it's like upside down. And I'm like, wait, that looks OK. I see that shape that I should be playing with. And then it just pushes me to the next level.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. My grandmother, every time I would do a painting or show her an illustration or something, she immediately would turn it upside down (laughs) and be like, okay, what can we see? Like, what can I see, you know, from this angle or that angle? And that has helped me so much in in design and illustration. Like, I do that all the time. Like, (laughs) I'll just, like, turn it upside down or turn it sideways or flip it around. And it's, like, just gives you that totally new perspective. And then you're like, oh, wait, there's a whole nother like – Avenue that I can go down Mm -hmm. of exploration. And a lot of times um, that's where you find that sweet spot that's, And struggling and struggling for days to find. And and all of a sudden you just throw it on the couch and it's like, oh, here it is. (laughs) My cat sits on something and it's like, oh, wait, done. Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Or somebody sees it that doesn't have any context. Like, are you drawing this? And you're like, no, but now I see it. (laughs) But yes,
2: yes. (laughs) And hopefully it's not something rude. (laughs) This meeting was definitely... I got a lot of inspiration from just hearing the guys talk and, and being able to relate to a lot of things that that they said and, and really kind of applying it to what I do and also having that kind of connection of like, oh, wait, I'm not the only one that struggles with, you know, trying to figure out how to make it work or, mm-hmm. you know, trying to find that that spark or getting out there and convincing people that this is the right thing to do. Um, that there's other people, there's, there's predecessors before who have, you know, gone down the same path and, and I'm just, I'm following in their footsteps. You know, it's nice Mm -hmm. to know that there's somebody that's gone through the same thing. And I think for a lot of creatives, there's a lot of self doubt and a lot of like, is this the right thing to do or is, you know, am I going down the right path? But at the same time, especially now that I'm primarily freelance, it's like I found such an amazing community of creatives that it's like, oh yeah, I've like, I've had to just like, like everyone goes through do that. I've had to struggle <laughs> with the exact same thing. And it's people that I think are like, you know, people that are my idols and people that I really respect and they're like, Oh yeah, I worry about paying the bills like every month. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. really? (laughs) Mm -hmm. But, um, there's some, there was something really, really cool about, and about hearing them speak in their passion and knowing that keeping focus and keeping that goal, um, until you reach it. And then even going beyond that is possible. And that, you know, people that I really respect are, are doing it and also having a lot of fun doing it, you know. Like in a lot of my correspondence with Nick and, and Brian, half of them were like, rad and like this is so boss. <laughs> and it's like it's like it's like that energy was really refreshing, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and really kind of made me want to capture that energy in what I created for the for their their talk. Mm-hmm.
1: This is probably one of the meetings. I have a handful that really stick out to me. Um, Todd Carpenter was one of them. Um, but just the energy that they gave and knowing that if you put everything that you have into something for a specific goal that eventually it'll pay off mm-hmm. if you surround yourself with the right people.
2: Mm-hmm. Which is mm-hmm. part of the
1: reason why I'm a part of the DSVC because I'm I wanna be around people who are better than me, mm-hmm. who's gonna push who who will push me to the next level and and push me past my boundaries.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. Like doing a podcast. <laughs> um,
1: also knowing that not every moment is great. Uh Nick mm-hmm. talked about those that stretch of year or two that yes. where it just wasn't great work, but he had to go through that. Yeah. Um knowing that everybody goes through that same struggle like mm-hmm. you were talking about. Um but in the end it'll it'll pay off. Um Helped me know that I just got to keep focus and, mm-hmm. and do what I do best, and mm-hmm. it'll eventually come to me.
2: Right. Exactly. totally. I think that's spot on. Yeah.
0: Well, great. I guess that's it for today. This is Ramsey, Keisha, Nathan, and thank you for listening. Gone to Tiff Streets, like, and bought them in. Mm. Don't do that. Yeah, I've heard it's not. Yeah. Is that the same? They give you. They they already have like already made cookies, and so they're room temperature. Mm. Jen and I went there and were like, but we want fresh cookies. Like, oh, we only do that for our deliveries. You're like, I'm going to stand outside, (laughs) and I'll call call you in a minute. (laughs) Big thanks go out to Glenn Ferguson for our intro music and Real Effects for donating the recording space. Be sure to subscribe and rate us on iTunes, and thank you for listening.